Hello, happy Monday. Welcome to Point in Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing, the podcast all about art and design theory for hairdressers. I'm Cody. I'm a hairdresser and educator based in Washington, D.C. The last few weeks we've spent talking about sort of creative thinking and design thinking for hairdressers. And this week I wanted to start on something a little bit different for this podcast. At the beginning of this season, I talked about these artist profiles I was going to do every so often. Um, I think it's important for us as creative people to step out of our sort of hairdressing bubble and look at sort of other creative fields or other artists for inspiration, but also just maybe some motivation or just maybe different ideas. So this week we are going to focus on a Japanese artist named Yayoi Kusama. She's been around for a very long time. She's been making art for her entire life and just recently has become sort of the, the center of a lot of buzz. And like many artists, she is known for sort of the, the work she creates, but I think the story behind why she started doing her art is fascinating as well. And chances are you've heard of her, or when you go Google her after this, you will realize you know exactly who she is. Um, and I found, since she's in sort of this spotlight at this point, um, people have a sort of definite opinions of what they think of her and her art and everything. Um, but I feel like whether you like someone's work or not, it's important to appreciate the story. Um, I mean, there's plenty of, plenty of artists that I sort of could find a thousand other things I would rather do than go see their exhibition. Um, but I always find the stories very interesting and you get sort of a different perspective on sort of why they produce art in the way that they produce it. So for Kusama, she is a Japanese artist. She grew up in Japan. She is most known for her paintings and sort of immersive um, installations, we'll call them. And she also did a lot of performance art for a while, uh, videos. She's worked with clothing companies. Um, so she is not confined to one medium necessarily. And I think there's something inspiring about, about that in itself, just sort of seeking self-expression by any means necessary. And I think that's definitely as hairdressers, something we could all sort of learn from or aspire to. Um, that's my opinion, <laughs> because sometimes we get so wrapped up in you know what it is that we do for a living that, you know, we forget that we're creative people and there's other ways of, you know, expressing, you know, whatever thoughts are in our head. I actually, I've met many hairdressers over the years. Um, I, you know, follow many hairdressers that do different kinds of art on the side, whatever. 
Um, so it's just, it's fascinating sometimes to explore different ways of getting these ideas out of our heads, right? And sometimes that leads to interesting sort of discoveries or revelations within, um, within hairdressing, how we can work differently, how we can, you know, change something up. So back to, <laughs> back to this, I'll get off my soapbox here. Um, so Kusama grew up in central Japan and then, um, in 1957 moved to Seattle and then from there on to New York. She lived in New York until 1970 where she moved back to Japan to live permanently and voluntarily in a mental hospital. Um, and her story is fascinating. Just that on its own is she moved across the world and then, you know, moved right back to Japan to live in a mental hospital um, and really only lived in the U.S. for a really short amount of time, considering. But so she grew up in this really challenging household. And um, I'm not going to get into a lot of the the details and everything. Um, I'll leave some of this open if you want to do research on your own or, you know, look into this further. But she grew up in this really challenging household. Um, she never really had a relationship with her father. She had this really bizarre relationship with her mother and, and other sort of extenuating circumstances led her to a whole host of mental health problems, including seeing hallucinations at a very young age. There's, at, through all of my research here, there's a story of um, the first time she saw a pumpkin. It spoke to her, and this continued on for a while. And because of all of that, she turned to painting and drawing as a way to, in her own words, obliterate her thoughts. She's most known for um, painting polka dots, um, these elaborate, repetitive patterns over and over again, um, which for her was a way to silence all of this noise happening in her head. Um, so from painting and drawing, she's created these sort of immersive rooms, these installations. Um, you know, the first major piece of art she created in New York was this 33-foot painting. She's created videos. She worked with Peter Gabriel on a music video. So she's done all of these various things as a means of self-expression. And that's truly what an artist does, right? But for her, it's part of this huge, like, sort of dialogue in the back of her head almost. And, or or not dialogue as it goes. And understanding all of that gives you a whole different perspective on all of this crazy work that you see in the news and on the internet and everything. And in the 1960s in New York, she staged a bunch of these performance art demonstrations. Um, some of them were political. Some of them were just purely for the sake of art. 
she you know wrote this letter to Richard Nixon at one point um with a with a proposition for him about the Vietnam War um so she did all of these various things and then moved back to Japan just 10 years after having this huge presence in the US um so she has no relationship with her family at this point and lives in this mental hospital and she keeps odd hours but she she's in a wheelchair now and she still paints every single day so there's something like insanely remarkable about that that through all odds she still has to keep painting and as i've read articles about her and watched interviews with her she's so like amazingly humble about how she's just happy that you know people are moved by her work and all of these various things which considering this whole story is just inspiring that at the end of it she's just happy that you know people enjoy her work where to her it's literally this therapeutic sort of medicinal thing that she has to do and if you really sort of dial back here and look at the whole story her creating art is literally like a daily activity that she has to do so for us we may have to you know get up and drink coffee or shower or whatever it may be this is literally something that she has to do every single day and the byproduct of it is fascinating and amazing and engaging and I think there's a lot for us to sort of study in this story as hairdressers, right? So we may not have the same childhood story as she has. Um, I, I certainly do not. But we all have a motivation for being in this industry, first of all, and creating the work that we create. And if we consider the work that we do and consider why it is we're doing it, what our motivation is we learn a lot about ourselves and there's something really beautiful in that. And in an article that I read at, like last year, like literally last year, now that I'm looking <laughs> the date here. Um, yes, I have a physical newspaper in front of me that I've held on to for a year. Yay. Um, someday I'll be on like hoarders or something. <laughs> But so in this article, she there's this quote where she says, I'm old now, but I'm still going to create more work and better work, more than I have in the past. And my mind is full of paintings. So she's basically saying she's definitely not done yet. She's 88 years old. She's not done yet. She's going to keep keep on going. And she just sort of has to. And... Um, the whole story is remarkable, even if you, after this, go online, find pictures of her work and whatever, and or go see her exhibition or something, and at the end of it say, that's not my cup of tea. There's something just amazing about the whole story, and I feel like anyone can be inspired by this story. Not necessarily saying that you have to have a mental illness to be creative, but... Um, it's just, it's fascinating to look at other artists' stories. 
I want to thank you so much for listening again. Make sure you are subscribed. Keep an eye out on Mondays for new episodes. Next week, we will return back to some hairdressing, art theory, sort of nerdy conversation. And if you liked this episode or didn't like it or have comments about it, feel free to post a comment on our Point in Line Education Facebook or Instagram. Or if you have a suggestion of an artist you would like to hear covered or anything, uh, email me, Cody at PointLineHair.com. Or if you have any other sort of ideas or things you would like to hear covered on this podcast, um, by all means, I love chatting with other hairdressers. I was just actually like chatting with this super cool hairdresser from California the other day. Um, we had this whole phone call and she's like, you know, I like what you're saying and blah, blah, blah. We had a lot in common. Um, so love chatting with other hairdressers. Feel free to reach out. Thank you again for listening. I'm Cody and this was Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing.